It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Any way you want to spend it, that was not an enjoyable night at Neyland Stadium. Sure, Tennessee got the win, uh, but man, it was it was not a pretty sight. Some live raw reactions here late, late, late on a Saturday night. It's your postcast, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is a special edition of Locked On Balls. It is a postcast, whether you're watching this on Sunday at some point, in the middle of the night, Saturday going into Sunday, late, late, late on a Saturday night. Uh, welcome you into Locked On Balls. I'm going to try to do as many of these as I can throughout the season, but uh, because of my day-to-day responsibilities for my day job, um, I don't get a chance to do these until late, late, late into the night. And on away games, probably, probably just impossible. Like next week against Florida, it's going to be impossible for me to to, to get in front of a camera um, and, and do a podcast that night. But anyway, uh, you know, following Austin P, I thought I'd you know take advantage of it, get in front of a camera, and kind of give some instant thoughts, some real reaction to you know what we saw, you know, Tennessee and Austin P at Neyland Stadium on Saturday night. I mean, I, I think we could all agree that it wasn't great, right? I'm going to give you my initial thoughts. I'm going to give you a key stat in segment number two. And kind of what's this mean moving forward? We'll have regular programming on Monday, you know, through Friday. We'll hear the scoring plays, stats, canter grades, all that, and more. I'll, I'll go back and I will watch the tape early Sunday morning and um, have a better idea. A lot of things that I missed throughout the game, but any way you want to spend it, this was not an enjoyable night at Elon Stadium. And, and Tennessee got the win. Okay, so it could have been so much worse. Georgia State, BYU to begin the 2019 season. I get all that. Of course, BYU is. Not in the same area code as, as Austin P, but um, you know those were some some pretty bad losses to begin the season. So again, it could have been much worse. I, I recognize that, but I mean, goodness gracious, this was um, I called it a glorified scrimmage. I called it a. It's not you know will Tennessee win? It's it's how much Tennessee will win by. Uh, I said that the backups and Joe Milton Joe Milton didn't need to play in the second half. I said Nico should be playing the entire second half. Backups coming in after after halftime and all that. And and I stand by that, guys. I'm not sitting here saying, oh my gosh, wow, Austin P is much better than I thought, or wow, Austin P did this, Austin P did that. I mean, with all due respect to Austin P and the coaching staff, I thought the coaching staff for Austin P came in with like an incredible game plan, did a really good job. Austin P is not a good football team. Tennessee sucked on Saturday. Tennessee beat Tennessee. Tennessee won the game, but Tennessee beat Tennessee. So I'm not going to come back here and say, boy, I was wrong or anything. No, if Tennessee played Austin B tomorrow, I would pick Tennessee to win by 50. I just would. I mean, Tennessee was just so bad Saturday night and it's not like it makes any difference or whatever. You got the win, but uh, boy, they just looked really, really bad doing it. Um, never gotten a rhythm offensively. I'll get into that more in segment number two about the lack of the down the field passing. I mean, it was just not there. It was really, really bad. Um, you know, Tennessee's defense only gave up 13 points. Um, it was you know pretty solid on the night, but still gave up a bunch of chunk plays. They rotated an awful lot at every position, not named safety. <laughs> Tennessee rotated a ton, which was good to see. But too many mistakes, too many penalties, uh, costly turnover, costly turnover deep into Austin Peay's territory. Not good quarterback play. Um, 
just some really, really bad stuff on the Knights, and Tennessee was only able to win 13 or 30 to 13. And hey, tip of the cap to the defense because it was Austin P that was driving and, you know, got stalled on a fourth and goal from the one, or that would have been a 30 to likely 20 victory uh, for Tennessee on the night. But the defense came through in a major way with about a minute left to go, a big fourth down stand. So credit the defense for that. Um, but, man, it was really, really bad. Joe Milton was not good. I'll get into more Joe Milton in segment two. Um, the wide receivers, <laughs> who I've talked so much about this offseason, thinking Tennessee might have the best, its best position group might be wide receivers. Not so far. Um, I, I still have faith in that group. Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton, Squirrel White. Dante Thornton didn't play a snap in the second half, unless I missed something. What's going on there? If you would have told me two games into the season, Dante Thornton would be this big of a non-factor, I would have been like, what are you talking about? He's an NFL receiver, and he still could be. Uh, but not a great start to the season for Dante Thornton. Not a great start to the season for Tennessee's passing offense. Uh, th I think these wide receivers are going to be fine. But, boy, what a horrible night. What a horrible night, along with Joe Milton um, on Saturday. <laughs> it was just really bad. Well, what you did like was the defense. I thought Aaron Beasley was phenomenal. I had some of you guys DMing me. Uh, talking about Aaron Beasley, how he could be an All-American. Aaron Beasley could be the best player on the team. I echo those thoughts, man. He's he's a really good football player. He's a smart football player. You can you can tell that he watches film and anticipates what's coming. He had five TFLs on Saturday, nine tackles overall, two sacks. That's quite the stat line. And again, it's an FCS opponent. I recognize that. But Aaron Beasley was all over the place. Tennessee as a whole, I believe, had seven sacks, which was really good to see. Seven sacks, 14 TFLs. Um, had an interception, created a turnover, recovered a fumble as well. Tennessee did a good job defensively. Um, and again, we'll break down drive by drive and everything and what that looked like and who stood out and all that good stuff as, as the week goes on and I go back and watch. But um, you know, defensively, I didn't have a whole lot of quarrels. Uh, they picked on Kamal Haddon. I'll be intrigued to look at the pro football focus. Targets, receptions given up. Uh, when he turns around and looks for the ball, good things happen. I mean, he played that perfectly, got an interception. I thought that was good to see. Um, but he also got flagged one time because he didn't look up and the receiver stopped and he ran right into him. That's an easy flag, easy flag. So they picked on Kamal Haddon a little bit, picked on Danico Slaughter, give up a touchdown, but he just completely slipped. You don't want to see that, but, um, I mean, this game, it's wild. Cause you walk away, you, you feel like Tennessee lost that football game. Tennessee didn't lose the football game. The game was never in doubt. It's, Tennessee didn't win by as much as you wanted them to win by, but, I mean, the second half, Tennessee was never losing that game, but you're walking away just like, man, that was so bad. That was ugly. Then you look around the national you know, landscape. There's a lot of teams that have struggled with FCS teams. There's a lot of teams that you know, are keeping teams around and everything, but then you saw them pull away late. I mean, Tennessee still pulled away late, 30-13 to 13 and all that, but oh, it just, it just did not feel like a big win that you want to ride the momentum into into your biggest you know one of your biggest rivalry games of the season that being florida so anyway we'll continue to uh, move on through this again on monday show uh scoring plays stats canter grades all that and more um this is all just raw uh raw emotions reacting here late on a saturday night i haven't even watched the game again really haven't even dove into the the stat sheet i will uh but this is why i, I think this is beneficial because you're getting you know instant reactions uh, you know, without doing any research. So anyway, uh, we'll, we'll come back. I want to throw a key stat out to you about Joe Milton and just kind of really puts in perspective, you know, how not great his night was, if you will. 
Uh, that's coming up next right here on Lockdown Balls. Hey, I want to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the best qualified candidates available. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. We all try to take steps in our career. We put our resume online at LinkedIn Jobs in hopes of landing that nice job. Maybe you have that job. Maybe you have a small business. It's your baby. You've worked your tail off for it, but you can't do it alone. You need people qualified and people you can trust to help you run your business. Turn to LinkedIn Jobs. You can use simple tools like screening questions to make it easy to focus on the candidates you want to talk to with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and then ultimately hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus its leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That is LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, welcome back into a little bit of a postcast early Sunday morning, late Saturday nights, uh, whenever you're getting a chance to view this. Appreciate you guys for uh, tuning in, getting some instant reactions to Tennessee's 30-13 to win over Austin Peay. Tennessee's 2-0 on the season now. Uh, we'll get into SEC play, head down to Florida in the Swamp next week, and of course we'll uh, spend time uh, crossing over and breaking down that matchup, all that and more as the week goes on. Uh, but I do want to throw out a stat for you. Brent Hubbs got this stat. Going to give credit where credit's due. He sent it to our, our BallQuest group chat. But kind of put in perspective about Joe Milton. Um, I'll get into more Joe Milton here in a second, but it's going to sound like I'm just trashing him right now. And you know, know, know where my heart is. I never try to just trash a student athlete. He didn't have a great day. 21-33, 228, two touchdowns. He also ran for a touchdown as well. So 21 of 33 is what he completed. Okay, that's not bad at all. 228 yards, not bad at all. Two touchdowns, not bad at all, right? It's not bad at all. Not bad at all. But listen to the stat here. 49%. That's the percentage of Milton's 228 yards passing that came on throws behind the line of scrimmage. So what was it? Joe Milton completed 22, 22 passes. 10 of those completions came behind the line of scrimmage. 49%, the percentage of Milton's 228 yards passing that came on throws behind the line of scrimmage. Milton completed 45% of his passes on throws over the line of scrimmage. All right, so Joe Milton, again, Joe Milton on the night was 21 of 33. Joe Milton behind the line of scrimmage, literally behind the line of scrimmage. He was 10 of 11, 112 yards, and one touchdown. So really successful behind the line of scrimmage, but not as successful throwing passes forward, the forward lateral, also known as the pass, only completed 45% of his passes in front of the line of scrimmage. That is not very good. So my point is they took some shots Early on, they took a shot to Brew McCoy, not a great pass drop. They took a shot to 
I want to say it was McCallum Castles through it. He was wide open, by the way, and the ball was well behind him. And he dropped it, but the ball was well behind him. Uh, really, really nice play on the run, breaking away as the pocket collapsed, you know, throwing it to, I believe it was Dante Thornton down the near sideline, dropped. Um, Joe Milton did not play well in this game. Okay, he was very inaccurate with the football, missed high, threw behind receivers. It wasn't great. But his receivers did not help him. His receivers did not help him. I was sitting there in that press box, and it was like in the second quarter, and Joe Milton was like one for seven starting out. And my buddy Grant, Grant Ramey at VolQuest.com, he's like, you know, Joe Milton's one for seven to start out, and he's got 12 drops. <laughs> you know, like his receivers weren't helping him. Like those are passes to where when your quarterback's struggling, you, you got to find a way to reel in those passes. Catchable balls. But again, I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. Those balls were still not good. You would just love to see Brew McCoy catch those. There was one that he threw to Brew McCoy, I believe, and I think the defender, you know, got a hand in there and poked it away. But it was third and five. I'll have to go back and watch on the um, on the, uh, the the tape, the rewatch, know exactly the situation. But it was down south end zone, red zone, right? And I think it was third and five. Might have been, might have even been fourth and five. And it was a slant to Brew McCoy, and it was right to his hip which isn't a horrible throw, but it allowed the defender to get a hand in there. If you throw it right out in front of him, lead him just a smidge, you're, you're walking in the end zone. That's a touchdown. Uh, Joe Milton was not good down the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, Joe Milton was not good throwing the football down the field, and it got to the point in the second half where Tennessee would just throw lateral games, the screens, uh, the flats, uh, you know, the five outs, all that type of stuff. It was literally just lateral game. That's what Joe Milton was throwing pretty much all the second half. Then he did complete one to Brew McCoy down the field, I think, for 22 yards. But he had to slide and catch it. Uh, just not, not a very good day whatsoever for Joe uh, Milton and not a very good day at all for his receivers. Receivers got flagged twice for, or might have even been three times, for holding. And they, they teeter on that offensive pass interference every single game. Meaning if the ball is thrown behind the line of scrimmage, and if you're in tandems out there, twins, the front receiver can go up and block. If the throw is behind the line of scrimmage, you can go and do that and go block. If, the, if it's at the line of scrimmage or in front of the line of scrimmage, you cannot go and block. You know That is considered offensive pass interference. Tennessee flirts with that every single day. Uh, Tennessee very physical in terms of uh, you know blocking on McCallum with the receivers. McCallum Castles touchdown down the near sideline that went like you know forty five yards or whatever it was. Brew McCoy was just you know like um, not ziplock but uh, Velcro Velcro on the defensive back just pushing him getting him out of the way. It was a great block and and I actually asked <laughs> I asked Josh Heupel after the game. Um, about that block from Brew McCoy on McCallum Castle's touchdown. He said he loved it, all that type of stuff. And I said, he was like, I love the aggressiveness that our receivers used to block and all that. And I followed up and I said, do you think that aggressiveness kind of led to some of those penalties in terms of, and he was already asked about it, so he was probably tired of getting asked about it. But I, I wanted to get a quote so I could write a story on it. I was like, do you think that aggressiveness kind of led to uh, some of those flags in terms of holding out there on the perimeter? And he just kind of looked at me, he's like, I just, I, I, you know, I, I can't answer that because I don't want to get in trouble. It's pretty much what he said. So, yes, absolutely. There will be multiple plays that Josh Hopple sends into the league on Monday or tomorrow, whatever day it is. This was an SEC crew as well. They were horrible. They were absolutely horrible. What what a horrible night to be an official uh, in this football game. And I, I'm not sure. I'm never one to crap on the officials. Tennessee certainly played bad in this game. It was not the officials' fault. Let me be abundantly clear. It was not the officials' fault at all. <laughs> 
But man, they had a night to forget. Uh, you are going to call defensive pass interference on Kamal Haddon a couple of times. One was blatant, and I, I agree with it. But when Tennessee had third and five inside the 10-yard line, third and goal or whatever at the five inside the 10-yard line, and there's a blatant DPI on Austin P. you're not going to call that whatsoever. Like, what are you doing? Uh, Warren Burrell looked like he got just trampled by a couple of different guys out there and they're trying to start a fight, and you're not going to call anything whatsoever. What's going on here? Um, rough night to be a blue. <laughs> rough night to be an official. Uh, that is for sure. But there are not the reasons why Tennessee played bad in this game. Um, but I, I just thought that was pretty telling, that stat. Joe Milton, very accurate, very, you know, kind of got in a rhythm. Lateral passing game at or behind the line of scrimmage in the second half. Um, but you are going to have to throw over the top to win football games. You are going to have to throw over the top to beat Florida, in my opinion, on the road. Um, you know, the first two games, I hadn't gone back and watched the tape of this one, of course, but I'll, I'll find out more tomorrow. But it felt like those safeties and those corners were playing deep and just saying, hey, you're not going to throw over our heads. Virginia was definitely doing that, playing six in the box. And so the first two teams, it feels like we're just saying run the football. And Tennessee ran the football. And I'll, I'll talk more on that in a moment. Tennessee ran the football very, very well. But it felt like these first two opponents, Austin P and Virginia, are saying, you're not going to beat us over the top. Well, at some point, a team's going to have to beg Tennessee to say, all right, Joe Milton, in order for Tennessee to win this game, you're going to have to beat us over the top. What's he look like when that happens? 10 of 11, 112 yards and a touchdown behind the line of scrimmage for Joe Milton in this football game. At the line of scrimmage, zero yards to 10 yards. Joe Milton was 10 of 14. So let me be clear in saying this. 20 of Joe Milton's completions, 20 of Joe Milton's 22 completions on the night were either at the 21 completions, excuse me. There was one pass that went 10 yards down the field that was completed, and that was to Brew McCoy late in the football game. The vertical passing game was just not there at all. It wasn't there at all. 49% of Milton's 228 yards came on throws behind the line of scrimmage. Milton completed 45% of his passes on throws over the line of scrimmage. That's not a winning formula. It's not a winning formula whatsoever. Uh, what's all this mean? What can we take from this football game and what's it mean for Florida coming up next week? That and a whole lot more is coming up next right here on Lockdown Vols, this postcast edition. One thing about our friends, FanDuel Sportsbook. Getting ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook because right now, new customers can bet $5. All right, and you're going to get 200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 can get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel is official partner of the NFL. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 
All right, guys, we got a couple minutes left here on this postcast edition of Locked On Balls, breaking down, reacting to Tennessee's win 30 to 13 over Austin P. It's kind of been doom and gloom, not going to lie to you. Feels like Tennessee's lost. <laughs> That's how I feel like I'm approaching this postcast. Uh, but Tennessee did win by 23 points. Is that, did I do that math right? No, no, 17 points. Tennessee did, see, <laughs> uh, Tennessee did win by 17 points. And, um, you know, I mean, Tennessee. Again, the game was never in jeopardy in the second half. In the first half, it was a really good game. Second half, of course, it was still close at times, but it was never in jeopardy. Tennessee wasn't going to lose this game. But, I mean, we thought that, you know, Nico in the in the third quarter on, you know, backups, you know, Nico getting reps with the, with the first group. We needed to see all that. That never happened because you left the uh, offense out there, the first-team offense and Joe Milton, because they needed to get in rhythm. They needed to get in rhythm, and it really never did outside of the, the lateral passing game. So, Anyway, uh, kind of a night to forget. Um, I'm going to tell you two stats that I really, really enjoyed uh, from this football game and then moving forward, what's this mean heading into Florida hate week? Well, um, I love Tennessee's run game. going to write a column on it. It's going to be available at VolQuest.com. When you wake up in the morning, I encourage you to read it. Uh, another another game to begin this season where Tennessee just you know dominates the line of scrimmage. Uh, 228 yards rushing, one rushing touchdown. That actually came from Joe Milton. Jalen Wright, second consecutive game to begin this season, over 100 yards rushing. He finished with 118 yards. You got to like it. Jabari Small finished with 95 yards on 13 carries. Just a hair under the century mark. That's great to see. Dylan Sampson, not as big a story in this one. Only three carries for eight yards. Not as big of a story in this one, but Jalen Wright continues to look the part, continues to look like the guy that we heard about all summer all spring, all fall camp, and he continues to look the part and play that way. Jalen Wright's RB1. It's not even close right now. It's RB1. Jabari Small, it's RB2. Now, again, 13 carries apiece. They're still splitting it a little bit. Uh, but Jalen Wright is the first option, first and foremost. And, and you see why. Back-to-back games to begin this season, over 100 yards. Back-to-back games to begin this season, averaging 9 yards a carry. Yes, I think he averaged 9.8 yards per carry last week against Virginia. He averages 9.1 yards per carry against Austin P. Again, Austin P. <laughs> it's not great. All right, this is in Alabama, who lost by double digits to Texas, by the way. In Alabama, okay? But uh, it's good to see this run game. And, um, you know, Tennessee next week. If Florida says we beg you to run the football, Tennessee's going to run the football. Does Florida believe that they can stop Tennessee's run game with six in the box? We'll find out. Uh, but Tennessee feels good about its run game right now, and Tennessee should because it looks really, really good. Uh, one other thing before I get to the second one, I do like – so three things totally. Uh, total, we'll go to the second one. Right now. I'm kind of delirious towards the end of the night. I still got work to do, so I apologize. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, you don't want to jump on it like 30 minutes to yourself behind a microphone, but – uh, it is what it is. I hope you guys are uh, enjoying this post-cast effort here. Um, the offensive line, it wasn't great. Gave up, I want to say, gave up a sack, a couple of false starts. Protection wasn't great at times. But Austin P showed a lot of different looks, played a lot of different games up front, blitz from the second and third level. It threw a lot at this offensive line, so that was kind of good to see. I'll go back and watch the film and see exactly, you know, who looked well, who picked up things uh, really, really well and all that. But that was good to see that this offensive line getting tested from that type of perspective uh, heading into Florida. Now they continue to mix it up a little bit. Uh, you saw Andre Kirk play a lot of left guard, Jackson Lampley a little bit. 
Ollie Lane started at center. You saw Dane Davis play a lot of center as well. And, of course, Gerald Mincy uh, playing some of those tackles. I don't think that you're going to see eight offensive linemen um, you know, have over 20 snaps in this one. I don't think that it was as much as last week because Tennessee only ran 65 plays. I mean, that's all they ran on offense. Austin P actually ran 75 plays. But I think these were good looks that the offensive line got um, kind of heading into Florida week. So uh, that's good to see. Again, um, it was Virginia that was very vanilla defensively, and I'm not really sure why. <laughs> but Austin P wasn't. Austin P's coaches came in with a good game plan. They did, and give, give them credit. Uh, they made things difficult for Tennessee. They were going for it a ton on fourth down. If it was fourth and manageable, they were going for it. In fact, let's see here. Yeah. You had also be the went for it on fourth down five times, converted two of them. So give them credit. They were very, very aggressive. Last thing I want to leave you with is that defense again. Um, awesome P is not going to be a very good football team this year, in my opinion. Offense is not going to win you a whole lot of football games if you're awesome if you're awesome P. But Tennessee's defense looked alive. Fantastic. Seven sacks. Love it. Pair of sacks from Aaron Beasley, a sack from Wesley Walker. Huge. That was on fourth down as well, or third down. Uh, Tyler Barron had another sack. Uh Carl Garland had a sack. James Pierce had a sack. Joshua Josephs had a sack. Uh, you get a sack. You get a sack. You get a sack. TFL's Aaron Beasley had five freaking tackles for loss. <laughs> it is incredible. TFL for Aaron Beasley. TFL for Wesley Walker. TFL for Tier Marion McDonald. TFL for Gabe Judy Lolly. TFL for Tyler Barron. TFL for Carl Garland. TFL for Omari Thomas. TFL for Joshua Joseph, James Pierce, and Jason Jenkins as well. 14 tackles for loss on the day that that is really really good so again Tennessee's been playing really aggressive they're playing more guys um healthy rotation up front Jeremiah T Lander played a ton of snaps at linebacker Caleb Perry played some snaps as well that was good to see behind Elijah Herring and Aaron Carter and of course Aaron Beasley yeah, there was a healthy rotation a corner healthy rotation a star still not at safety though <laughs> which just kills me uh, not a whole lot of safety until Jalen McCullough got banged up a little bit late in that football game and Andre Tarantine went in. So anyway, um, just some, just some rea- I know, I know there wasn't a whole, a whole lot of substance to this postcast, but just kind of my thoughts, um, you know, leaving the stadium, coming here and immediately pressing play and, and, and getting on here. Um, wasn't pretty, wasn't pretty at all. There's a whole lot to clean up. I don't think Tennessee sucks. I don't think the season's over. I don't think Florida's going to win by 40 in the Swamp next week. I don't think any of that. Uh, but I do think that Tennessee needs to clean some things up. And if you have this effort against Florida down in the Swamp, that streak will continue and you'll lose by double digits. Uh, thankfully, we know, or we, at least we think we know, Tennessee is a much, much better football team than what we saw on Saturday night. But still got the dub 30-13. to Tennessee is 2-0. And now it is Florida week. We'll talk about the, the Gators all weekend long. But coming up on tomorrow's show, Caner grades – Stats, info, scoring plays, and what Josh Heupel said post game immediately following Tennessee's 30 to 13 win over Austin P. Guys, appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thanks for uh, getting even more of this Lockdown Balls content. Six episodes this week. Hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll be back on Monday morning. This is Lockdown Balls. NCAA tournament is almost here and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. 
Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.